When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Getting Salty Experience Podcast. All right, guys, and we are back. Welcome back to the Getting Salty Experience Podcast. It's the only podcast in the whole wide world that brings the firehouse kitchen table right to you guys. As always, I'm joined by my lifelong buddy and friend who got a new haircut over there, Louis Refrano, <laughs> what up? L- L- Lieutenant Ruffy. We got Pandemic Pete up in the corner. Boom. Shalom. We Shalom. got a really, really exciting guest tonight. Uh, I don't even have to announce him, but we'll, uh, we will introduce him in a second as soon as we get through our shameful plugs that Pete will bring shameful. up. Shameless, my shameless. friend. Shameless. Uh, right. could be shameful. Let could me be tell shameful. you something, ladies and gentlemen. This is our show, and the way we keep this show rolling and going is gettingsaltyapparel.com. That's right, guys, where you'll find T-shirts like this one where it says everything will kill you but do something fun or whatever on the back. The Bronx Ben T-shirt there that Mr. Kubies is wearing, the one Louie's wearing. Mm-hmm. Beautiful tumblers like this one to hold your drinking uh, apparatus and much, much more. So, guys, if you have firefighter in your life, firefighter friends or family, and you want to get them a special little something, is firefighter related go to getting salty apparel.com to support us and support the show thank you super chat don't forget to hit them up with the super chat oh the super chat guys the super chat if you have a question that absolutely positively must be answered or if you guys you know i'm not saying i'm just saying you want to throw us a couple shekels I'm, keep saying. Rolling. I'm just saying you know a couple you know, I'm, shekels. Trying, I'm trying to i'm trying to buy like some furniture if i get a new house or something you know <laughs> oh, what i'm yeah, saying yeah. help me out come on yeah. come on yeah. help me out yeah. Henry, let me out. All right, All right anyway. guys. So let's get him in here. He's already in here. No surprises. Everybody knew. Uh, we have not only was he a firefighter back in the war years in the heyday, getting it done in the South Bronx. He is an acclaimed writer, and most of you have read his book. I've read it three or four times myself. Sent to me by my buddy Randy Simon. With report from Engine Company 82, we have Mr. Dennis Smith. There he is. (laughs) (laughs) We got a chuckle out of him finally. Welcome to the show, Dennis. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. So let's get right into it. I I, I know um, we talked about it a little bit in the pre-show, 
that you got on the job in 63. Uh, but what, what drove you to the fire department? Did you have any family in the fire service? What made you want to become a fireman? No. Uh, well, I was a, a poor kid in the tenements, you know, like every, like all of us. Uh, we were neighborhood kids. And uh, I noticed that two guys in the neighborhood, one a cop, one a fireman, and they, they were both enviable, really. They both had good jobs, nice kids, you know, the whole ball of wax. And so... Um, uh, I took both exams and passed both, and I got to the even the investigation of the NYPD, uh, which was saying something. But, <laughs> I was going to say you look you look surprised that you made it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, I I I we, the where I grew up on the east side was truly the old east side of New York. You know, the whole. North end of the street, 56th Street, was tenement buildings from one end to the other. Right. And um, except that you, you got to do toward the end of the block, they went from five stories to three stories. Uh, and, you know, there was a lot of crooked things going on. But um, nice. I always <laughs> felt that two things saved my life. And the first was my dear old ma, my mother, and who was a single mom, and she worked hard bringing up my brother and me. Uh, and the other was Kipps Bay Boys and Girls Club. It wasn't a girls club then, it was just boys club on 52nd Street. Uh, that, that was a, I was on the board of Boys and Girls Clubs of America for a long, long time. It's a great organization, and it was a life send to me because it got me into that building doing things like swimming and playing basketball and ping pong and, you know. Uh, Keeping you off the street. Absolutely off the street. So anyway, that was the neighborhood, and, and that's where I come from. And, and uh, so when I got to be uh, 20 years old, I decided that I would take both tests. Mm -hmm. And in those days, they give a new test every year, you know? So I uh, mm. I took uh, both tests, passed both tests. And the uh, uh, it's just a matter of accident, truly, uh, and, um, and good fortune that the FDNY called me first. Right. So you got called in, uh, let's say, 1963, you said, and um, you went to Engine 292 with Rescue 4 over on Queens Boulevard out of Proby School, correct? I guess you really didn't know anybody back then. So It was a nice firehouse. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Right. But it, it, and I was working for a master's degree, and I uh, took my time. Right. And uh, I got the master's degree, and then I decided I wanted a more active company. So Engineer 2 at that time was at the top of the list. Is that how you picked them? You just so, picked them by who was the busiest? You didn't know anything about the firehouse? You just I had no idea really? about the firehouse. 
I mean, how how bad could it be? You know, it was busy firehouse like that. If, yeah, you, you you you're gonna meet great guys in in those firehouses, without a doubt. Right. Uh, they don't have time to think, you know. Right. So they they can only be nice guys. Right. So let's just back up a little bit. You were going to NYU for your masters, right? What 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 were you going for? Was it in writing or was it in? Yes, communications. Communications, right? NYU. So I, you go. I had a NYU bachelor's degree in English. And then you went for your master's in communication. Yes. Right. While you were working on the job. Yes. Wow. And while wow. I was working a second job too. As a limo driver. As a limo driver, right? <laughs> I drove limos. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, you're there from '63 till about '67, right? And how did you get '82? Did you? Did you have to call a rabbi? What'd you do? How'd you get up there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the way to do it, uh, you know, I called Tommy Riley, the renowned Tommy Riley in the Union, and he—he he is to me always was uh, the fixer. You know, if you need anything done, <laughs> if you need anything done, you call the fixer. <laughs> if you need anything done, Tommy Riley. That's freaking great. Tommy could get it done. So uh, he uh, he got me transferred right away the next week. Really, it was that. I was found myself on 169th Street and Intervale Avenue. I was just gonna say Intervale Avenue. You had uh, now when you got there, you had 82, 85, 31. No, no, it was just it was a when I got there, it was a plain old firehouse of oh. 82 and 31. Okay, and, so when did 85 and TCU, what is it, 712 move in there? Yeah, TC, C, TCU, Tactical Control Unit. Uh, I would say uh, two years. So that's 63, 64, 65, like that. Right. And then the really tough years, like 67, 68, you know, that's when the, 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 the community right. changed. The, uh, the attitudes within the community changed. The politics of New York changed. And um, so uh, it was a hard thing for the fire department to, um, to reckon with uh, because they were, you know, they were stretched. Right. To their capacity, and when you look at all of those companies around me, he was seventy-three engine, I've engine fifty engine. Uh, they were really busy companies, and so um, uh, they they went to their capacity. Right, and so engine eighty-two, they had to put another engine yeah, in there because. Yeah. Yeah, because just to answer the alarms. Right. How long did so, it take you, Dennis, to catch your first job? Do you, if you can remember, like when you first got there, it was the first tour that you worked there? Do you remember? Yeah, I wish I could remember. I, 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 I do recollect the the first job was on Intervale Avenue, actually, down towards Southern Boulevard, and uh, there it was a DO, DOA. And and um, that's all I remember of that job. I remember the woman had a wig on. And so when I moved ahead, the head, the, the wig fell off. The wig moved. Oh, no. So, yeah. So I thought that she 
it was, uh, you know, fall apart on yeah, yeah. skin was falling off. On. Yeah, so. So they were anyway. They were doing nine thousand calls. You say in the book, right? When you when you get ninety six hundred, ninety six. So you say a, a, now, back down. A third was false alarm. A third were emergencies. But a third of those were actual fires that you went to. So that, that yeah, you went to two or three fires a day. Two or three a fires day. a day every day, right? Yeah, and, and that's, you know, it was a, it was, it's, it was like. A, uh, I think of it as a, a disease, a, a cancer, in that the, the more fires there were, the more buildings became abandoned. Right. Right. And the more landlords said, I'm not going to put up with this anymore, and just, you know, they flew the coop and, uh, and left the tenants on their own. And so the tenants had a hard time. Uh, and as soon as a vacant apartment went vacant, uh, it uh, it caused um, uh, an, another empty apartment caused uh, more fires. Right. right. And uh, because they always used those vacant apartments and then set fire to them. So it was dangerous for the people living in the building. But uh, uh, but it, it grew. And, you know, two weeks from then or three weeks, There'd be another apartment go, another, and then so all of a sudden the whole building was vacant. So like you, you know, said, it's like a cancer. It was just spreading. It was just, just like a, just like a cancer. And, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't unheard of that you would go back sometimes to the same apartment multiple times, right? If if it wasn't it wasn't uncommon if you go back to the same apartment or the same building multiple times, correct? Oh yeah, yeah, very very common. Uh, you know, two seven four three was the box at uh, Charlotte and one seven zero, and it's uh, like remembering your social security. You could number, that number <laughs> kept coming up over and over uh, and over again, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, we went there three or four times a night, anyway, and uh, so uh, and and the kids in the neighborhood who were who were um, impolite, they, they couldn't pass by a fire alarm box without reaching up and pulling it down, you know? <laughs> impolite? That's a good word. <laughs> yeah. Impolite. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so you are 1213 into Vale Avenue, right? Uh, Engine 82 and 31, and then later on, 85 and TCU 712. I want to ask you. Yeah, yeah I want to buy a house. It was just... Uh, Charlie uh, McCarthy died last uh, week. Yes. This um, funeral was yes. last week. <clears throat> I couldn't go because I can't okay. travel. But uh, I really miss going there because I know I see everybody from 82 and 31. And it was reported then, and I watched the video. It was as big as a department funeral. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I mean, there were hundreds yeah. of yes, guys showed up. Yes, yep, yeah. yep, yep. He was supposed and, uh, to actually come on the show, Dennis. Like, right, Ruffy? You had him booked. Yeah, he was coming. He, we actually, he he lived really? down in Florida. Well, he would have made you laugh anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. His son actually uh, went down to Florida to do the logistics, you know, to get the the, the uh, to get him on the you know the camera and the computer and all that stuff. But because it was still COVID, the only place that they had the camera was in uh, like a common area, so we weren't able to do it. So uh, he had called me and told me that we won't be able to do it. But, you know, during the summer, you know, they would get together. He comes up here, I guess, uh, to New York and Sounds we would good, do it yeah. then. And unfortunately, he passed away. Yeah. Anyway, did, you know, even the great companies lose men. And uh, uh, so that's Charlie was not the first to go from that firehouse. Um, but he was certainly one of the best, and uh, I, I talk to him every couple of weeks. And you you put that in your life, you know, when you have those friendships. Yep. Oh, and yeah. They 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 are um, they're like anchors and balancers, uh, wings. You know, what, no matter what you call them, but they're they are so good for you, and. Um, it's uh, one of the things I've always remembered <clears throat> because, you know, I have a, a degree in English literature. And so I read an awful lot of William Butler Yeats. Um, but uh, he said, you know, though you earn your shining days and voices among the praise and new friends busy with your praise, think about old friends the most. For yeah. life's bitter tide will rise. Your beauty will be lost for all eyes but these eyes. The point being simply uh, that, you you know, you you never lose your old friends, even when you lose them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. nice. Hey, so, listen, while, while we're talking about Yates, I have something written down here is that, that you, mentioned, you mentioned in your book um, when uh, – I believe it was Nick Rizzo got hit with the brick when he was riding sideboard, right? Yes. So you referred back to Yates and you were talking about um, what can be done with – you talk about, you know, wise men and violence. You were talking about that in the book. Did we lose him? Oh, he's there. Yeah. Right? So you had said something in there that really – I mean, we're going to talk about it a little bit because you also got hit in the eye with a rock, right, while you were riding the back step. But what, something that you said in that book really stood out to me. It says, what can be done with people who throw bricks at the very men who are the most committed to protecting the lives of the brick throwers? So, so to yeah. me, when I, when I read that, it's just, right? So running. Yeah, I mean, it really, you know, these kids are throwing bricks and rocks and whatever at, at the very people who – are coming to, to help them or save them, save their lives or save whatever it is. So I just, when you mentioned Yates, that you read Yates you, in the book, you had wrote that, you know, that you went up to your locker and you thumbed through a Yates uh, poem and you found out, you know, the, the one that's talking about wise men and reverting to violence and stuff like that. Cause that's how you felt 
when your friend got hit in the chest with a brick right in the sideboard of the rig. Yeah, you know, uh, it was dangerous neighborhood. Uh, we had a bulletin board on the place in the firehouse at the entrance. It's still there, at, of, of the eight going into 82 engine. And um, it's maybe six inches thick. And I was leaning against this wall of the uh, uh, of the uh, doors, and uh, uh, all of a sudden, some guy comes running by, and there's a whole bunch of shots. And <laughs> then after I look, this there's two bullet holes in the, <laughs> in the thing, right? Miss them by that much? Yeah. I said, "Yeah, God, Holy I don't, I don't want." That's uh, it, they were disability bullets. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to go that way. That's Those are three quarter bullets, right yeah. there. <laughs> Those <laughs> might be four four bullets. That's it. You you ain't coming out of that one. Yeah, that's but that sure. was that was not like uncommon, right? Where people were throwing stuff at you while you're because you were shooting. Back then you were, yeah, you were riding the had, step, right? You know, I had always uh, mixed emotions. There are, I don't know what the percentage is. But I'm going to use a percentage of about 90% of the people in that neighborhood were decent people with families who got up. They had their jobs. They were a subway conductor or whatever they were. And uh, they went to work and they sent their kids to school and uh, tried to discipline them when they played hooky. Right. But that 10% was enough people to create havoc in that neighborhood. Right. And, uh, and um, you know, we saw it from our point of view, from the abandoned buildings and the fires, but the police officers at Fort Apache, the 41st precinct, you know, they, they didn't have time to do anything because, you know, every day there was 10 new assaults and two new rapes and uh, 14 new armed robberies. So it, it kept building and building and building. And, but then there were not more cops and more cops and more cops. You know, they had to deal with everything. So it was hard all around. But especially if you want me to continue that sentence, it was hard all around, but especially for those hardworking, decent people. Yeah. You know. I, I would say that was the same in East New York. Dennis in Brooklyn was yeah. the same thing. You know, every time you would go to a house, you would always, you know, a lot of times you would find good people who just were, you know, down. You know, they were just getting beat down from the the percentage of people. I would think it was more than ten percent, but the people who were running the neighborhood, right? They they were they were running the neighborhood, whether it was a gang or just, you know, however it works out. It just uh, th those are the people that really run the neighborhoods, and that's what makes everything go to crap. Yeah, but I, I uh, you know, I, I felt about the fire department then, as I feel now, that it is a crucial service. Uh, you can't do without it. You know, when the civilizations like uh, Egypt and Greece first began, 300 years before Christ, we had to organize ways to fight fires. And if they didn't organize ways to fight fires, their whole village would burn up and it'd be gone. And so that's what they did. That's the, the, the birth of the volunteer 
uh, fire department. Mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, it, it, you just you have to deal with the fire department. You have to deal with uh, with that issue of fire, and then it grows into the issue of arson. You know, when all of a sudden there's a buck to be made because all those all yeah. those uh, buildings that went vacant in the South Bronx, block after block after block of them, you know. Uh, many of them were insured, and they were deliberately set fire to for the for the insurance, and um, so it just made it worse. Yeah, but anyway, but you talk to any of the firemen, you know, you go to even like seventy three engine and forty two truck. You ask those guys about what it was like to work in that firehouse. And uh, they'd say I'd, I'd, I would pay to go there every day. You know, and that's true of 82 and 31 and the companies you worked in. Uh, and you, every time I see the commissioner, Dan Nigro, if, if it wasn't a conflict of interest, I, I always want to, you know, pay him 20 bucks. Forgive for me. Might need a little, might need a zero greatest, at the end of that one, Dennis. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, forgive me the greatest days of my life, you know. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, say yeah. that all the time, right? Uh, I would pay to do this yeah. job, right, Roof? Like when you're on vacation, oh, yeah. you, you can't wait to get back uh, to work. Yeah, that's true. So I was blessed that we all were blessed by being a part of FDNY. You know, I get up in the morning, and uh, one of the things I say now, I tell my children, look, I'm FDNY trained, and I can do anything. Is that yeah, I like it. Yep. yeah, I like it. And uh, uh, we don't often think about the things we learned in probie school or as probies in the firehouse. And, uh, you know, learning modesty, the greatest assessment you learn as a probie is modesty, right? Yep. You yeah, don't, yeah, yeah. You don't. You, you don't rise above your station, as they say. But uh, I like that. That brings you. That brings you right into the fold of that firehouse, you know. And um, it's a great system, and it's been in place for a couple hundred years. Name yeah. some guys from there, Dennis, that stick out to you when you think of Engine Eighty Two early on. Were the guys that that. Uh, Helped all, you. All 31 truck. Yeah, yeah all, all 31. Truck. Guys who, who yeah, you looked guys, up to initially like, when you were young. Well, like Vinnie Bolin or – do you remember Vinnie Bolin, anybody? No. He was uh, he was an officer in the UFOA, but he was a great fireman. Tommy Anello, uh, Billy O'Mara, Louis Andrade. Yeah. Uh, you, it's a dangerous um, environment when you start naming people's names. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna forget somebody. Yeah, Dennis, the, the, the names, the names that you used in the book were those real names, like uh, Vinnie Roy. Well, they were very close. Like Charlie McCarty was McCarty. McCarty, right? And and yeah. uh, Vinnie Royce and Lieutenant Welsh. They were like close, was, or yeah, Vinnie Joyce and uh, uh. Lieutenant Welsh. <laughs> So you see, I, I and the, reason why I, the reason why I changed the names, you know, in retrospect, uh, I should have uh, kept the names and just said, well, if you don't like it, sue me. 
because yeah. it was a tribute to them, those men. But uh, the publisher wouldn't let me unless I had uh, signed releases from everybody. Oh, protecting themselves. Oh, forget about yeah. it. There's, yeah. so many, there's so many names in that book. You would have to get so many signatures. Forget it. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, they, everybody knows who they were and uh, who they are. And uh, I still uh, see them occasionally. And I haven't been to that firehouse in maybe five years. But uh, the last time I was there, they gave me lunch. I didn't have to pay. Well, that's good. <laughs> that's always You're a good You're on a fixed income, kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was nice. It was Is he there? Yeah, he's there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what the hell? You know, you, you also um, we're talking about uh, the character or what makes a fireman, right? And 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 you mentioned that uh, one of the biggest thing about firemen is reliability. No matter what, when you call, they come. Right? There is no thought. There is no. There is no question. You know, when really you're scary, that's a little scary. That's somewhat scary. Not, not even that roof. There's not even the. Um, you know, you can't see anything in a fire. That's a given, right? Anybody who goes to real fires knows you can't see anything. So you don't know what the sex is, the gender, the uh, the color, the race, the religion. You don't know any of that, right? You're just going based on the fact that you're reliable and this is what you do. You're going to save people. It doesn't matter what they are, right? It, it, um, it's uh, true, of course, uh, that uh, the firefighter has just, uh, he's mission oriented. You know, if there's a job, the first thing he's thinking of, you know, is there a victim? And so when he makes a search, you know, if, if you're in the truck company, you know what the, the the search is automatic. The same thing you do in every room, you know, go along one room, one next room, under under the beds with your hook or your halligan. Um, what the thing is, uh, you're 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 thinking not. You know, is there an African American uh, victim in this room? You just think, is there a person in this room right. who maybe is at the last breath, and uh, and you got to get him if, if, if and you're very close to it. So the, you think of it as uh, colorless. I mean, I I think my own observations and my memories of the New York Fire Department was, I mean, they were sort of the guys that grew up in the tough neighborhoods and they have racial stereotypes and they think of it in that way as a stereotype and, uh, you know. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family vdw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumpacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere 
even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. But I, I think that's part of the past. You know, I don't think that exists anymore. I and uh, yeah, firefighters are, um, I mean, I wish I, I wish I can get everybody to go to a firehouse picnic, you know, <laughs> because then you'd see these kids, you know, these little ones and, uh, and you'd see how they act with their mother and father, you know, uh, and you see the kids, the little boys put their hands on their hips and they say no. And uh, it's in their personality, and you and you say, oh, "Good for you, buddy." You're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna grow up to be a big Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Refrano, Refrano. <laughs> no, yeah. I won't do it. Yeah. Uh, well, I I never lose. You know, uh, uh, well, I can tell you, I go to Barbara Hill. Is and Lee Ielpi give me dinner once a week, and I go there. And you talk about being grounded. You know, I get great, great meals. Doesn't cost a penny, and nice. uh, uh, and 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 a great conversation about the job. So once a week, I have this really deep conversation about jobs. And of course, Lee, I ask you too, so he knows what it's like to be in a job. And he's, uh, I'm sure if he's watching this, he's waiting for what he's going to say something now about the difference in <laughs> quantity and quality. quality. <laughs> the difference in the quality and quantity of fire. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but, uh, but he's a fireman's fireman. Oh, no and, doubt. We're and, trying to get him. We're going to get him, hopefully. Now, yeah. now, we, now, we got the, now we got the in with Dennis. We plant the little bird, and Dennis is here. Hey, get Lee on the show. <laughs> yeah. No, he, he'd be a great guest for you. Yeah. And um, um, so anyway, uh, the thing is, that's good for me, you know? It gives me an, a time to keep my thoughts alive about how important um, FDNY is in my life still. You know, and continues to be every time I sit down with Le- uh, Lee ILP. Um, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm still on boards. You know, I just uh, started a foundation. I haven't launched it yet, but you will be the first to know. Yeah, we'll get it out. Work. We'll get it out there for you. We'll spread the word. I, I started a foundation for uh, firefighters, police officers, and registered nurses. I'll tell you why I did that. It's based on the Honor Emergency Fund of FDNY. That was a fund. So you probably don't even know much about it, right? You don't hear much about the Honor Emergency Fund. But they're always there for the firemen. If you need something, if you get stuck, whatever your personal story is, the Honor Emergency Fund has got their ears open and they'll listen to you. Now, that was founded in 1922. Oh, wow. I didn't, I didn't know it was that old. I, I've heard about it in the past. Guys, yeah. They'll use it for guys who are really in a jam with medical so bills. It's or 100 years old. 
Wow. And it's a, some guy, you know, a, a, a deep pockets a citizen of New York, loved the fire department. And he, no, created, yeah. he gave them the money to, to create the foundation. And it's grown and it's still existing 100 years later. God love them. So uh, I did that for firemen all over the country uh, based on the Honor Emergency Fund. It's biting off a lot. And, um, but I'm confident I can find people to, uh, to run it, you know. So I just did this last couple of weeks. Incredible. And, uh, um, <laughs> so it's going to take me at least a year to get it off the ground. But anyway, I, you know, <clears throat> uh, I should be doing these things. If I have the ability to do them, I should do it. Because it, you can't do, in my estimation, enough for the uh, New York firemen. Now, uh, there are bosses, you know, who are tougher than other bosses, as you know. And, uh, and I... I, I remember uh, reputations of people who had terrible reputations as being unfair and prejudiced and, you know, who, if you got in trouble, is the worst guy to be involved with. <clears throat> and But that really is the exception. In the fire department, the managers, uh, say the, uh, the deputy chief's son, you know, and his deputy assistant's assistants, those those people have not forgotten what it's like to be a fireman. Right. And most of them look at the chief of department today uh, um, was uh, I'm just got to think of his name. Hold on. Richardson? Just writing about him recently. Yeah, yeah. J.T. John T. Richardson. He uh, he was Captain Rescue too, you know? So these guys know what it's like. Mm. Some of them spent all their time in, in the beach, you know, <laughs> with their feet in the sand, <laughs> studying for the captain's exam. Well, that's, that's okay. But, that's all right. But a lot of them, a lot of them spent their time in the busy companies. And to them, you know, it was the gaining the accumulation of this fire experience that will make them a good boss. Right. And right. that's why Richardson is the uh, chief of department today. You yeah, know? yeah, no doubt about it. And he's the best. So, yeah. He's a great guy. Too. Well, that's the same. That's the same thing in the military, Dennis, right? Those guys yes. who were generals and, you know, they come, you know, some became presidents, some, you know, those guys are always going to be leaders, right? And if, you, if you're in the trenches, people definitely give you more respect. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. I love the military. I tell you, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, it, it, it gave me a, a new kind of discipline in my own life, and with you know a focused discipline, where there there was no excuse. You had to be there, you know. Yeah, hell yeah. You had to be there. Oh nine hundred. You got to be in that line, and I love that discipline in my life, and it taught me quite a lot. Yeah. You, now you worked with probably some World War II vets, right? When when you were on the job. Yeah, 
Yeah, mostly Vietnam. Mostly I think. Vietnam hits, yeah. Or uh, Korea. Yeah, or right. Korea. So. But the Korean guys were getting out of the job then. Well, so those guys were squared yeah. away, though, right? Those guys that you worked with, no doubt. Yeah, we have great guys. I, I, you know, to me, you, I don't, I don't see the distinguishing factors, except in the way they live their lives. <clears throat> I mean, you can't tell by looking at a fireman on the back of a truck, or the side of a truck. People, they're not on the back anymore, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but you can't tell one from the other. You don't know who was in the military or not. Right. But somehow, you know, you understand, you've internalized that they're all reliable, each and every one of them. And that goes back to my saying, you know, I'm FDNY trained and I can do anything. And, and, and I rely on that so often, even in my writing, I rely on that. Right. You know. Hey, I want to ask you, there are a couple of... No, I was just thinking, I don't know if I'm, we're going to get ahead of this, but how was how your, how was the response from the guys in the firehouse when you, when it became, you know, when, after the book started selling and, and you, you started to get some fame, how, how was the response from the guys? Was it, you know, you're not, obviously not going to make everybody happy, but was it, was it good? Were you, were you the well, girl, I'll you know, tell you, I don't no remember. And the only, uh, the only bad thing I remember, there was just one thing, and and that's why I remember it. Um, I was on this, the Malachi McCourt show. Did you ever hear of him? No. <laughs> Malachi McCourt, Frank McCourt wrote Angela's Ashes. Ashes. Anyway, he, Malachi McCourt had a radio show. And I went up and I did a show and talking about whatever. And then uh, I left and I put on the radio and Malachi was on the radio in my car. I'm driving home. And then some guy calls. I don't think it's a fireman. At least I hope it wasn't. Who said, you know that guy you had on, Dennis Smith? He didn't write that book, you know. I know the guy who wrote it for him. And... Uh, and Malachi says, oh, is that right? He says, absolutely, I was there. He didn't write that book. I know who wrote it. And, uh, um, you know, I wanted to screech on the brakes and reach for my shotgun. <laughs> so, but that's the only bad thing that ever happened to me. The yeah. firemen were all pretty good. They recognized that it, this was a, um, a, a very big event to have a book high up on the bestsellers list for so long. Yeah. Uh, and I um, didn't, I didn't, uh, uh, I didn't um, think that it was enough because I had these two degrees and I did nothing but study all my life. So I didn't think one book was enough to gain like notoriety or it could carry you for the rest of your life. And uh, and it's not. I mean, I know it's not. Uh, I'd like, when I'm, uh, I've written 18 now, working on my 18th book. Wow. So uh, I just feel that's what I do. I'm a writer, so I have an idea and I write a book. You know, one of the most pleasant experiences I've had, I went out to live in San Francisco for six months. And I wrote a book called San Francisco is Burning about the 1906 
earthquake and fire. It was the biggest fire in American history, you know, still. Uh, over 3,000 buildings burned. Uh, so, but I loved it because San Francisco was such a socially elite city. You know, I had all these private clubs and all that. And then it gave me an, ex an opportunity to write about the Silver Kings and the Gold Kings and all of that stuff. And, um, and lo and behold, no matter how big you get in life, you know, your building is going to burn down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, uh, let me ask you a question. How... What was the precipice to, to this writing this book? What what brought it about? Did somebody approach you, or you had this in mind that you were going to write this book? Yeah, no, they approached me. Um, <clears throat> I'll tell you why. It goes back to we were talking about William Butler Yeats. Um, uh, I'm writing about this now too. Joyce Carol Oates is a very prominent American writer. I know her; she's a very nice woman, and she said uh, she wrote in the New York Times Book Review that William Butler Yeats had transcended his Irishness and that he was truly a universal poet. Well, I thought that was, the, there's a word in Irish called blather, B-L-A-T-H-E-R. And I thought that was a lot of blather. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so I wrote. What would you call it in Italian? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute, I, I know the answer to that. <laughs> uh, uh, a fungal. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, uh, the, the, um, Oh, now I've completely lost my train you of thought. About, you were talking about the woman who wrote in the... the how Joyce Carol Oates. How the you. book came about, yeah. Yeah. So, so I sat down in the firehouse, and I wrote a letter to the New York Times and said, you know, in the letter I said, William but Butler Yeats was... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary fundamentally irish that all of his sensibilities and his uh, attitudes and cultural assumptions, they were all Irish. And uh, I, I can give you example after example, and I gave some. And anyway, the New York Times thought it was very interesting, I think only because I had wrote it illegally on FDNY stationery. <laughs> <laughs> That's a no-no. 
and I didn't, uh, I didn't, uh, I didn't sign the captain's name. Thank God. <laughs> oh shit! But uh, they they suspect there's a New York City fireman, and so I got a letter from uh, a publishing company, E.P. Dutton, no who said, "Have you ever considered writing a book?" You know. I mean, this is a fireman who had uh, this knowledge, specialized knowledge in Irish poetry, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, this was a fireman who could put more than two sentences together, and they were like, I got it. <laughs> it was a kind of a reverse snobbery, if you want to know the truth. <laughs> you know? And, uh, I like it. So I don't care. This is goes, it goes back to my... Uh, my, you know, my saying, I'm FDMI trained. I I can put up with anything, you know. You get people from the New York Times who I don't think are much at good at anything that they do, you know. They and, and and but I can put up with it, and and it doesn't bother me. Yeah, put those guys in the firehouse kitchen, see how they do, right? They'll be crying <laughs> like babies. Yeah, well, you, listen, you can talk about Julius Caesar in the firehouse kitchen. And or Alexander the Great, and and uh, somebody sitting down in that kitchen and say, "Yeah, but can you make a flat?" (laughs) (laughs) See, make in the back room. (laughs) That's right. Will he make the last room? That's it. So, uh, what can you do? That's the way it is. Yeah, that's what's that's what's great about the fire department. Oh man, is it? Yeah, that's the best part. Yeah. So what I want to ask you too is a couple of times in the book, you mentioned it seems like the the uh, control man and the doorman were the only guys who took the mask. That the the nozzle man and the backup went in first without the mask, and then the two guys behind him came in with masks. Is that how it worked back then? Pretty much. Um, <clears throat> I had to be. Uh, Careful about that, because quite frankly, I used to think then, you know, if you run the knob in a job and, you know, this is a blowback, a ceiling came down or a wall fell over, whatever the story is, you say to yourself, um, this is a very dangerous job. And uh, uh, we make it even more dangerous by not um, adhering to the safety regs, you know? Yeah. And uh, so we never wore a mask because, you know, like real men don't eat quiche. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's a, if you're a real man. No doubt. If you're a real no man, you, if you're, you're a real man, you don't, you don't right. need a mask, you know? Right. Yeah. And, uh, so, and so then the idea of taking a beating put that in quotes, you know, taking a beating. That's what we said. Taking a beating became the requirement for your work. And you did it willingly and, you know, and you were willing to sit in that, in the hallway uh, later on with your coat over your shoulders and your helmet on your- And the snot pouring out of your nose. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So that was all, a piece of the universe uh, 
not all fires were like that, of course. Some fires are easy enough. But uh, you learn as a probie in, in that if you have at least an experienced guy with you, it doesn't matter a busy company or not, if you've got an experienced guy with you and he cares about you and wants you to learn, you learn very fast that, there's, that a food in the snow stove can be as uh, snotty Nasty. As, as an all hands fire, you know? Yeah. No doubt about that. So what was the purpose of the, the other two guys taking the mask then? Just it, well, I think that I I wanted to um, show that somebody was paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got it. Well, if the other guys got jammed up and they couldn't, whatever, then the, the, the two other guys would be behind them to back them up. I felt that that uh, you needed somebody there with a mask uh, just because if you didn't, you know, I think there's a good chance that people would never believe anything you said. For instance, we had a guy, we're not naming names in this show, right? So you can I, I know I can, but I wouldn't do this to a guy. <clears throat> but uh, we had a guy come into the firehouse and transferred. He was lifted. So that was in those days. <laughs> yeah, that, that was in those days when... If you lift somebody into the busiest company in New York, you got to be a really bad boy. <laughs> so, Push so him right he, out of the job. <laughs> yeah, he came. I liked him, actually. He had a great personality. But he said he announced one night in the kitchen, which is the center of democracy for the fire department. You know? exactly. He said uh, one night, uh, uh, you know, I put out 26 rooms of fire by myself. With an inch and three quarter long, <laughs> twenty six rooms. Oh, so, so we thought that was outrageous enough to uh, organize a lynching. So we <laughs> threw a rope around him and and tied him up, and then then pulled him up the pole hole. <laughs> and then dumped a bucket of water on him. No, no, the hose. Oh. So, so we took the hose out of the engine uh, uh, refilling spout. Oh, right, right, right. And uh, got him nice and wet so he couldn't move one way or another. <laughs> anyway, that uh, things like that happen. You can, you know, you meet guys who say things like that. And you just, it's, well, you, you let it go. Uh, ninety nine percent of the time, but that one percent, you say, you know, it's just too much. You were a little <laughs> over, a little, a little over the top, a little over the top there. Yeah, a little bit. Should have left the two off. Well, I mean, yeah, you know, where was he going? What, what place has twenty six rooms anyway? Where was <laughs> where was he? Twenty six rooms. <laughs> Places don't exist. What are you talking about? 26 rooms. You can write a book about just what happens at the kitchen table. You don't even got to put fires oh, in Oh, yeah, there. yeah. You don't even yeah, have to. I can write a book about that. Yeah. Dennis, well, do, uh, who are you, do you remember any of the bosses there that uh, that stick out to you? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, there was a guy named Nick Leibrock. He was a battalion chief. And he was the sort of quintessential a, a, a quintessential fire chief 
and that uh, he was really good at what he did. He knew how to size up a building. He knew what, when, from the first moment, whether he's, he was going to have all hands working or not, you know, uh, whether he could handle it with the tool too. You know, I came from the, 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 those days when a lot of battalion chiefs didn't, didn't want to have all hands or something like all that. hands working because the deputy would deputy show up. showed up <laughs> so everything so, was 10 30 two right? two. yeah yeah, yeah. Two and two. so uh anyway uh nick Librock was very steady you know and i liked him a lot and um, i'm sure that he was much older when i was on the job so I'm, sh I'm sure he's not active anymore, but uh, um, a great guy. Cool. Who was, we, uh, who was Captain Frimes? You know, there's a photograph of me, uh, and I didn't know how to send you photographs. I don't know how to lift photographs out of, out of uh, a website and send them. But I got some, but uh, I said paint some photographs. Well, this is a photograph of Louis Andrade and Engine 82 in front of the pumper in the interior of the firehouse. Well, anyway, nope. I know that's no. not it, but I got the I got the photo of the of the engine. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, uh, in this fire in this photo, with oh, on let me see that I can't see. Look at those buildings oh, in the yeah. back. The, the, the second one down. Can you second one down? Yeah, that one there? Yep. Well, you see, that's Bill Grimes, the captain. He was a great captain. I admired him. I didn't like him very much, but I admired him. <laughs> you know what? I got to start using that. I like I that, start bro. using that. Like him, you know, I didn't like him. you, but I admired you. I admire you. I respected that's you. <laughs> look, look on, up uh, right by the canopy. Is a, a, a former fire commissioner of with his New leg York. up, the guy with his leg up, yes. Uh huh. Um, um Rivera, Carlos oh, that's Rivera. Carlos Rivera. I could see yeah, his face. Yeah, yeah. Up, look at up, it. Go up, Pete. Up, up, Petey. up to the to right. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's Carlos, Carlos Rivera. Wow, and two over is me. That's Vinny Joyce behind him. That's Millislaw, Millie. He became a captain, and God knows the company was in trouble when he became a captain. <laughs> the next guy is Richie Ridmeyer. Look at him. He's like a model. He was like the essence of a tall, good-looking fireman. Yeah. And then down below, uh, there's Mickey May, who was the president of the union. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, the third, fourth guy in. Yeah. And... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, hey, Rook, there's, Bowen, there's, there's no cab on that rig. Vinnie Bowen always says about this photograph that he was driving. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, God rest his soul. Vinnie Bowen's another one of the greats. Uh, That's a great picture. What, yeah. street, what street was it on? It's got cobblestones. The Intervale Avenue Intervale had cobblestones. Ah, yeah. I gotcha, I gotcha. <clears throat> Hey, my street had cobblestones when I was a kid, Pete. Oh, really? Yep. Huh. And, and so somebody in the neighborhood 
How was Several it working with the plug uglies, Kev? Oh, <laughs> what was that, Dennis? I said until the, the cobblestones were there until somebody recognized that a junkyard will give you four dollars each. Yeah, yeah, peace. Oh, yeah, yeah. No kidding. They started really? pulling them out of the ground. Yeah. Yep. Look at that That's picture of '82. Go back to that one on the top picture, PD. Look at look at the buildings in the back. Yeah. Oh, Lord. It looks like the windows are all smoke stained. What? Mm-hmm. And they're all vacant. Look at all the windows. They're all they're vacant. All... Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yep. What the hell? And they were in good shape, you know, those buildings. Dennis, how was the rapid water? <laughs> you know, I, I swear to God, I, I you know, you, you had to mix the rapid water with yeah. the But I, I never had a can of rapid water in my life, ever. <laughs> So I don't even know how it worked. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you could I bet you 25 guys would probably say that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. It was like that was an additive that they added, right? To make the water yeah. slip through the hose faster, right? Or something. Well, like it, would, it made the water uh, more efficient, they right. said. Right. right yeah, right. So it's supposed to cut down on friction. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, but uh, I didn't think that it made any difference to the no. fire. Well, you got a cool flame on the door. That was cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what I wanted to ask you a little bit about, Dennis, was, um, you know, we had talked about this in, in an older show where we thought that what made the Warriors so busy. And, we, we you know, we talked to uh, Joe Carney, you probably know Joe, and the it, it was a perfect storm of, of, of um, the landlords getting all this insurance money. As long as they paid their premiums, they could they could put whatever they wanted the building to be worth. You know, if the building was worth 500000 they could put $5 million as long as they were paying their premium. Uh, the the uh, programs that the city was running, as far as, um, you know, if you burnt yourself out of your apartment, you got put to the top of the list uh, for government-subsidized uh, housing. And also, basically, you know, we, we threw around the idea that maybe that, you know, the city was somehow partially to blame or negligent in the fact that, they wanted the city to burn down to rebuild. Well, you know, you know that was Bobby Wagner's proposal, and he even said it in a speech one night. That there was a, a, a sort of a a, a planned uh, um, a reduction of the city uh, houses, and uh, he knew that that uh, for every house. Every building that burned down in the South Bronx, those uh, four times, so say 24 or 34 families, um, had to go somewhere. And so where they went was Mount Vernon or Yonkers, you right. know? And so that was only good for New York City. And Bobby Wagner felt it was a good policy to let these fires burn. Right. And uh, so the, it was, a, you know, it was never in paper on writing. Right. Uh, but that was the, uh, it was evidently the city's policy to have a planned burning of the city. Yeah, let it burn, let it burn down, let the people relocate, yeah. and we'll, we'll rebuild the city how we want to rebuild the city. And you're absolutely right what you said about the insurance, you know. There were a lot of insurance scams that were built around these, uh, uh, you know, some of the buildings. But maybe it, it, it was, maybe it was only 
10% occupied building, 10%, 90% of the apartments were already burnt out. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but still, they, uh, they, the landlord, if he showed ownership of the building, he could say that it was 100% occupied. Right. Now, who was going to pay attention to it? Nobody. Right, so you know, that, that that perfect storm is what really made those the warriors, right? Where you guys were just running from fire to fire to fire. Yeah. And, and you know, well, just think about it. Think about it, your own experiences. You got to know the guys who were uh, second and third due at jobs. Right. You got right. to know them as well as you know the guys in your yeah, own Yeah, you know what? That's if you see them all the time. Because you see them yeah. all the time. Right. That's true. <laughs> So let's talk about a little bit. We talked about it briefly in the pre-show. Uh, O'Hagan, he was the chief of department back then, right? John T. O'Hagan. Yeah. 38 years old, he was chief of department. Wow. <clears throat> and then he decided in a couple of years that uh, he'd be a good commissioner. So he took both jobs. He was the first ever, first person ever to be both jobs. Uh, Dan Nigro, of course, was chief of department and commissioner, but not at the same time. Right. You know, uh, he, he could have had it if he wanted it. I think people respected him enough. So, um, the, but O'Hagan was without a doubt uh, a very smart guy. He wrote a, a good book, you know, and... Um, whose title escapes me at the moment, but uh, uh, he in that book, he said, he talked about the, the, the danger of glass buildings, that, uh, that, the, uh, that the fire area, the, the confined spaces were not confined enough to, uh, to call it a fire safe environment so and he was very much against the building of the world trade center right uh you know he he's he wrote letters he testified and he was against it he said this building is not safe he was right evidently (laughs) that's right Uh, so what what is the story with him like it really depends on who you talk to great guy innovator not a great guy so i mean was he just a polarizing type of guy or well i think he had a very he he reminded me of the old irish guys who uh, don't say very much but their mind is always clicking at 100 miles an hour um john o'hagan i think he had he was very. He was very def, definitely mindful of everything in the fire department. Mm-hmm. He was. A, he was a, a great commissioner, and a great fire chief, and uh, and he had his standards and he stood up for them, and and uh, he was a little bit uh, because of the amount of power that was vested into him. He was a little bit arrogant, uh, and. Uh, it's 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 an easy thing to be arrogant in the fire department. It's not hard, and 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 it's not uh, it's never good. 
you know. Never good. <laughs> never but, good. No. And uh, humble, humble baby, humble. Yeah, I think you got to be. You know, there's the old thing. You got to be one of the guys, and that's not. It's not more any more true in any place than in the fire department. Right. Um, because it's what makes the machine work, and. Um, <clears throat> But if you can follow, you know, I was in the bagpipe band. I didn't no, know I that. Didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know that, no. Well, um, I was on the Ed Sullivan show. Right after the Beatles, we have the. <laughs> no, it's true, right after the Beatles. But we had FDNY. Jimmy McLaughlin was the uh, bandmaster. And. Uh, he he died on St. Patrick's Day. God yes, love him. That's a tall. He, that's a big guy, right? Yeah, yeah, the big guy in the front. And um, he, uh, the night before, it's a Sunday night at Sullivan's show. The Saturday night before, he was working. I think he was in forty-eight truck. He was working, and he made a great grab. And really. Luckily, there was somebody from the Daily News. Who showed up at this job? And here, and, and they they had him uh, with somebody. I don't remember the particulars, but Ed Sullivan put his picture in the news down on the screen, and everybody was applauding. It was wow. great. You that's know? great. Cool. But that's the the the, the fire department uh, was best seen, I think, from the from the bagpipe band because the bagpipe band you couldn't do any band you know no evil yeah no yeah yeah, you yeah. Know, everybody you, you can find that clip Petey. even to even today they still uh you it's know on it's on it's YouTube, great, but great, great, great representation of the fire department you know they really yeah. are yeah um, um so it's i know it's on youtube somewhere the ed sullivan show that where the, the, the fdny was three three times on the uh Three times on the Ed Sullivan show, really? Yeah. How how long what did you year, do that for, Dennis? Year, what year you said again? I have no idea. <laughs> All right. Uh, Just put that. How long did you do band. that for, Dennis? But I mean, I the, the the band was on three times, not me. I was on once. Oh. You see, and uh, um, but it, the one time I was on is is on YouTube. I will check and, it. Uh, find it. I I saw it once, but there are three other or two other times on YouTube too, that where I am not. Right. So if uh, uh, I, I okay. But I what, used to what? go to those competitions with the firemen with the band, and it was great. Uh, you know, these. It was like being in the firehouse kitchen, except you were on a bus. You know? <laughs> no doubt. And, and it was Listen, the firehouse kitchen table travels, bro. It's, you know what I mean? But we, it call was that we call that shenanigans, Dennis. That's you know, you say, at <laughs> least in the firehouse, you can go to another room. Not on a bus. <laughs> but hey, on a bus, you're stuck. Hey, Dennis. Yeah. Like, so in that, in that era of the war years, all right, where, if, where you think that the city – because what they're doing really at the end of the day is putting firemen in harm's way by not get really, you know, by incentivizing people to burn themselves out, incentivizing 
landlords to collect insurance and stuff like that. Was there a chief that sticks out in your head that was like really for the guys that was, you know, that went to bat for the guys that went against the system for the guys that, that you can remember anyway? No, I, I mean, I, there, there must have been. I, uh, I think Bob Lowry, do you remember him? He was the first black commissioner. No. Nope. He was a fire marshal. Right. And um, I, it's just because I was in, I was in the, uh, his company a few times when he, you know, he really complained about um, the fact that firemen have to put up with certain things, you know. Right. I would like to say uh, what those things are, but I can't think of them offhand. But, but you see, I never, I never thought firemen should clean the firehouse. And they say, they say, well, you clean the firehouse because it's where you live, stupid, you know. <laughs> and and uh, but I didn't agree, never agreed with that. I just thought the city should hire a building maintenance man well, to work in the firehouse in the precincts, right? They have yes, yeah, they have yeah. That in the yeah. And uh, but the union was always against it, right? You know. Did they yeah. have uh, Did they have matrons when you got there, Dennis? Yes, they, they did, right? So they made yeah. the beds or whatever. They come yeah. in and made the beds, and then you, you chipped in at Christmas time for right for a, a gift for her. You know, they were normally you know widows. Uh, Dennis, what band? What band? What uh, uh, instrument did you play? Was it the pipes or was it the drums or what? Yeah, I play the pipes. The fucking pipes. The pipes, the pipes. By the way, I've got the video, so stand by. Oh, we're going to look at the video, Dennis. You do? Yes. He's on it. kidding me? You know, just trying to... Oops, that's not it. Make everybody happy here. Hold on one sec. Here we go. Let me find it. It's on the desktop. Oh, there it is. I'm going to scroll through it real quick so everyone just bear with me. I'm watching right by. Were you guys drinking before this, Dennis? I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that's it. All right, this is what they put up on the fans page. Yeah. All right, still looks good. (laughs) I always like hearing the pipes. No, I never, I never wore that kind of uh, garb. uh, Garb. Yamaka, you know. Yamaka. There's that. I found that on YouTube, but I uh, didn't know if it was, and then they confirmed it on the fans page. So fans, get your act uh, together. They got the wrong, the, the wrong thing. You did. Yeah, it's, I never had that uniform. That was you. That was after me. I got you me. know, when the band got richer, the uniforms got richer. When you made them popular, right, Dennis? Then they, then yeah, they got, that's, yeah, that's what But happened. I loved being with the band. I mean, they, oh, it was oh. awful fun time. And I got good at the bagpipes, quite frankly. The pipes. Do you still play? Yeah. Oh, nice. You got them there? Why are you both out of tune for us? <laughs> no, I don't have them here, but I have this. <laughs> His recorder. 
Hey, Pete, uh, Shade 32 said, gave you a, a Ronald Reagan trust. It's trust but, but verified, verified, Pete. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they gave you the Ronald Reagan. <laughs> I no longer trust you drunks in the, uh, in the chat. I'm really? Really? Douchebags. Except, except for Ray Seeley. I trust him. I oh, know there he is. There it is. Belt up mouth for us, Dennis. This is called a, a chanter. Okay. <laughs> I had one. Of like those. a duck call, go? Dennis. <laughs> where did mine go? I had one. Yeah, time. yeah. Where, where is yours? We need that for those for, for a certain moments. Uh, I think my son took it. I don't know where he put by, it. By the way, Dennis Ray Seely from two nine two says, "What's up, buddy?" <laughs> oh, good for him. <laughs> that is a perfect response. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. Uh, hey. You still got it, kid. You still got it. Yeah. Got it. Sounds like a little like a goose. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, I got another question for you from the book. You ready, Dennis? Yeah. All right. You wrote on the wall in the kitchen. It said, this could be the night. Yeah. What exactly did you mean by that? This could be the night that we caught a good job. This could be your last night. This yeah, could be yeah. It could be the night that you know every fire department has one. It's it's a, a job that everybody remembers. Even in some firehouses, it was 1927. You know, yeah. <laughs> but it's okay. They still take the glory. That's it. And they'll talk about it. And um, that's what I meant. That it could be the night for the greatest job you ever had. This could you know? be the night. I think we got to make a shirt of that, Ruffy. Oh, this, you would just get a sign. We got to write it down. Yeah, I mean, how much? What, what do you I get for that, that, Dennis? Ten percent? What do you get on what, that? What are we? Ten percent on every T-shirt we make on that now? Yeah, no, you can have you can have that that uh, <laughs> rights to say that completely. All right, thank you. It's on uh, video. We'll send, we'll send you a mug. Well, <laughs> uh, this could be like that. He said, "There you go." <laughs> he drinks coffee, so I see him drinking. So it's tea. Tea. Oh, tea. come on! He's an author, Kevin. He's they they drink tea. He drinks. Oh, tea. authors don't drink. I, I drink tea only because uh, I'm not because I'm an author. Just because. Oh, but listen, in the book, you said you drank coffee. Yes. In the, ah. well, in the firehouse, you got to drink coffee. <laughs> yeah, you're not you're not making tea. tea. No. Only Evans. Evans make tea. Yeah, he, yeah. He, either part English or part. Anyway, <laughs> no. In in my in the I I gotta say when I was uh, in my early thirties, you see, I wrote a report from Engine Company eighty two when I was twenty nine. Uh-huh. When I was in my early thirties, I. Um, I stopped drinking alcohol completely, and I stopped drinking coffee completely. Wow, look at you. And started started drinking tea. And um, it, it just got, made me healthier, you know? Wow. Yeah, I, I did the opposite. I drink coffee and alcohol more heavy now than I do. <laughs> <laughs> I started drinking yeah. much more heavily yeah. since I started doing the show, to be honest. <laughs> I've never I, drank this much alcohol in my life. <laughs> my I, I normally go to a like a steakhouse or something and say, I don't want anything that's good for me. 
<laughs> All right, oh, so you pick your poison. Give me a lot of butter. You gotta put. Give me some bread with butter and uh, garlic butter, fried oh. shrimp, Take and a fat butter. steak. Yeah, anyway, uh, I'm sure that the world thinks I'm an authority in these things, but I'm not. <laughs> How long did it take you to actually write the book, Dennis? Six months. Six months, and then it was published, and then uh, now you got over three million copies sold. It's it's uh, it's written in twelve different languages. You're up to what five, six revisions? I'd say it did all right. Yeah, I think that it's probably clean copies now, but uh, I, it's probably close oh, to four million that, copies. Yeah. Of course, it is. Because After tonight, it's going to be five million. Spells. After tonight, yeah, it's, well, that's true. <laughs> After, uh, maybe not. Maybe like four point um, zero 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 five. <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you something. Not not that uh, I do this. I tell you this with a sufficient amount of sufficient amount of modesty. The the first television show I ever went on was the Johnny Carson show. You you met Johnny so, Carson too. Yes, I was on the Johnny Carson show, and the next day, I was on the Today Show, and oh the day God. after that, I was on Good Morning America. So, the, you know, the book did went to the best. So now today, it's very hard for a writer like me to write because all of those guys who work on Fox News, they all write books and they all promote their books all right, the time. Right, 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 right. It costs them nothing, you know. And uh, so it's hard to compete with them. Uh, but I'm going to compete with them anyway. I have a new book called Don't, Don't Tell the Mayor. And, and what does um, that do? What's that uh, do come out? Well, it's, it's, I would say if I finish it by uh, Barbara, you know, Barbara Hill and Lee Ayopi wrote it down in a book that said uh -huh. I would finish this book on September 30th. So that's what I'm shooting for, September 30th. So then we published six months later, say. Um, but it's a book of fires and jobs uh, that, uh, to me, were moving and that I remember. And they're worth telling. So I tell them com all completely from beginning to end. And then into space with stories of uh, publishing that book and what happened after I published it. Uh huh. Um, you know, doing all the big deal stuff that you you do when you have a book on the bestsellers is it's quite a big deal on on a on a New York Times list. Oh yeah, no doubt. Well, you know, yeah. come back and we'll advertise it for free because that's what we do. <laughs> we might not be we might not be Johnny Carson, but you know, we got a couple of. <laughs> Couple of three or four guys watching, we can get them to buy. We definitely the have an Ed, Ed McMahon for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Dennis, which, well, which, which book? Which book was the most enjoyable to write? Was it the first one? Oh yeah, I think by far, Writing Engine eighty two to me was uh, really an act of love. I've sat down and I've well, first of all, we moved my son Sean out of his bedroom. And I put a, a table and a chair, a writer and a dictionary in that room. And I sat down and I wrote the book in six months. And uh, I got paid for writing it. 
So that was a big deal, too. $5,000, Oh, think. you didn't spend that all in one place, did you? No, and I didn't buy a car. You could have bought a car for 5000 in those days. Wow, it's not a bad deal. So, uh, um, anyway, but it, it was easy to write because I was just going to work every day. You know, I had to just go to work, and I had to do a job, and, and then I would write about the job. Right. And some some days the jobs were more interesting than others, you know. But yeah. um, uh, that's how it happened. Did the guy? Did the guys know you were writing it as you were writing it, or was yes. it a surprise? They yeah. Did. Interesting. I had a question. Yeah. I forget what the hell I was just going to ask you. How the hell they stay so good looking? Uh, that too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Where are my notes? Hold on a minute. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, you know, you know the other. I want to, one more quote that you had uh, that really stood out to me is when you wrote that uh, at any place you, any time you look in the news or in a newspaper, any national disaster, whether it be you know a hurricane, a, a, a fire, a plane crash, whatever it is. Every photo and every paragraph written, there's always a firefighter mentioned in the story, which I thought was uh, an excellent point, right? Right. I and mean, no matter what it is, no matter what takes place, the fire department's always there, right? No matter what natural disaster or man-made disaster, the fire department is always a, an integral part of, of helping people. You know, that, that that's true, and it's but it's dependent on the writer like you, you'll meet uh, writers that work for particularly uh, newspapers like the uh, Times or the Washington Post or the Boston Globe. So they lean this way a little bit, a little bit to the left. They well, lean. it's not only that. It's that they think that they're big deals. Right. And that they think of firefighters as, you know, the, the, uh, the working class and it not worth their time or consideration. Mm. So, but we try to fix that as much as we can. And uh, I think that that the that the firemen are have been better off since reporting in Company Eighty Two than than before, because enough people, because there were millions of people who read that book, enough people. Came to consider it them consider consider them in a in a more professional way, you know. That uh, it, it 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 was it was uh, something to be a fireman. You know? Yep. Yeah, no doubt. Well, we got a question here, Pete, from the from the chat. Yeah, think... from MCs actually. Uh, MC's my boy. He's the one who, who gave me the info to get in touch. So I got to thank MC for that well, one. Well, he's saying didn't have the chance to ask Mr. Smith on my program, but what was the inspiration to put together uh, 2002's report from Ground Zero? It was amazing. Oh, well, <clears throat> you know, I I I was. Uh, <clears throat> On 9-11, the morning of 9-11, I was in a doctor's office. 
and the nurse came out. She said that, God, you know, a plane just went into the World Trade Center. So, you know, I realized that that doesn't happen. So uh, I went home really fast, put the TV on, changed clothes, found one of my old FDNY shirts, put it on, and went down to the firehouse on 67th Street and 3rd Avenue, and there were a bunch of convocating firefighters there. And so we all commandeered a bus, and we asked everybody to get off the bus, and we took it down to, um, uh, to Ground Zero. And uh, so, uh, you know, I didn't think of it in terms of a bus. bus. I did think of it because the first person I met down there was uh, Jimmy Boyle, who was a really dear friend of mine. And, and do you remember Jimmy Boyle? Any I do, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Any, anyway, he was the head of the union, and uh, and uh, I, I always call him the Pope's representative in FDMI. But, uh, uh, and he says he was looking for his son, Michael. And, you know, that's what just stuck in my mind um, all the days in the beginning. I was there for 57 consecutive days. Wow. Every day for 57 days. And then I left it finally uh, when uh, I, just, I just thought I couldn't do it anymore, you know. So, but I went to a lot of funerals, the 30-odd funerals during that time, too. So I'd go to a funeral in the morning, and in the afternoon, I'd just go to, go to the, the site, and I'd stay there until after midnight. And I'd always see Lee Ielpi Lee was there, you know. He was there every day. He was there every day. Well, his son, Jonathan, who, of course, was lost. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, uh, and I developed... Uh, a friendship with Lee and, and uh, you know, the kind of I'd follow you anywhere uh, friendship, which is best kind. So uh, it is the best kind. Yeah. But I tell him I'm, I only, I'm only my friend because Barbara is such a good cook. So <laughs> he'll love that. <laughs> I hope he's watching. You gotta get him on. Well, you gotta know that he likes to cook, you know. He, and yeah, yeah, yeah. He's actually, I don't want to give him the break, but he is a good cook. But um, Barbara is better. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, nice. What, um, so when did, when did you decide that you were, you were going to do the book? Was it happening right away? Was it happening months after, years after? How, when did that come about? No, uh, it came about in, in um, I think, the third week. Uh, I talked to my publisher at Viking because one of the things that I realized that these two planes made history, American history, and that uh, somebody was going to write a book about that day. And there are a lot of writers who I would name, um, but they're no longer with us. 
you know, there are people like uh, Jimmy Breslin or Pete Tamil and, you know, I know them, I know them all and they're nice enough guys, but I didn't think they were right to write that story. That was a firefighter's story. Right. And uh, so I told my publisher I would write a book about it. And then my publisher uh, did a smart thing, actually. I didn't like it at the time, but it, it was smart in retrospect. They, they let it out to the Daily News. And the Daily News wrote a story that I was going to write this book about Ground Zero. And so that gave all the publishers uh, uh, notice that I was writing this book so they wouldn't pay a lot of money to the other writers who I didn't think deserved to write this book. Right. So, uh, um, and then I wrote a very sad story. Uh, I mean, profoundly human. And... Uh, it, it's one of the great humans. In fact, you know, I was writing about the, the, the Greek wars. <laughs> Just another interest, but I was writing about the Greek wars in, you know, 300 BC and the, and the Battle of Thermopylae. <laughs> and uh, when, when the Persians, <clears throat> 20,000 Persians were kept back for three days by the Greeks, by, 300 Greeks. By, by 300 Greeks. Right. And uh, it was a great, great act of courage. They all died except one, the one, the one who lived. Tell the story. Yeah, tell the story. Tell the story. Wow. So uh, uh, I think that uh, no other act of courage in, in history has been recorded or referred to as much as the Battle of Thermopylae. Mm. And, but, you know, Ground Zero is much more important. That mm. heroism was, uh, there I have had, I had so many references to people had died on 9-11 who said, to other people who survived it, you know, a lot of firemen were in and in, in, oh, yeah. out of that. Yeah, building. yeah, yeah. And, all uh, luck of the draw. All luck of the draw. And they said uh, that, uh, you know, we may not survive this. And so they were aware of the incredible, I mean, firemen are always aware that they're in a you know, ceiling can come down or right. floor can give in. You're always aware. This could be the uh, night. This could be the night. But uh, here uh, at the, the Ground Zero, you know, that kind of determination carrying a, that hose up over your shoulder, up 60 stories as, you know, mm-hmm. did. Uh, it's unbelievable what those firemen did and how they just did it. They knew what they had to do and they did it. The greatest and, Yeah. So that, that courage and heroism, I did not want anybody else to write that story except the person who would focus in on the firefighters the way I did with that book. You know? 
Dennis, you know what I wanted to ask you? It, I mean, that was it's obviously a sensitive subject, right? 9-11. Did you get any, when, when it was put out that you were writing a book about it, did, did you catch any flack? Did, did anybody, was it good, bad, bad? Yes. No, like I got, there, there was one firefighter, a well-known firefighting family, actually, who dropped a letter on me saying that I should not do this, that it's a, that it was, a, you know, making a dollar on the coffins of your friends. And uh, they, could have been, they couldn't have been more wrong, you know, they didn't know what they're talking about. I gave $150,000 to the New York Police and Fire Widows and Children's Fund. Mm. And, uh, Which you, you, know, you were a trustee said, for that, correct? Yes, I was. And as as I said before, this again, this is a bit, I'm being FDNY trained, you can put up with anything, even a guy who's trying to nail you, you know? And, um, uh, and, and well, you're never going to make everybody happy in the end, right? Nope. I mean, that's, no, we, we know that's that. That's a small that. story. Right. No, I, I agree. It's a small story and compared to uh, to that the immensity of nine eleven and of, and of, and the uh, the reverence that we all look at that um, history now, you know, it's twenty years, and uh, uh, I'm just I'm glad that that book is out there. Yes, a lot of people we get we get a lot of you know once we posted that you were going to be on obviously. 82 uh, engine 82 and and the 911 book people were writing that some of the best stuff they've ever read as if you know if you're a firefighter those are the books that you wanted to read you know what i mean well also you know who else would have written the book besides you a, a, a proper author who's a firefighter you know what i mean yes i, I mean why would you hand that response somebody's going to write a book about 911 right There's a lot of books about 911 right why would you hand the responsibility to someone else Instead of one of your own, you know, I would never criticize anyone for wanting to express themselves about something that important. Yeah, no, it's true. I, it, you know what? It, it, uh, it didn't matter to me that letter went out, except that it was signed by, by eleven guys, and a few of whom I knew, and one even from the bagpipe band. So I, I uh, that was a little hard to t take, but you know he had a point of view. It's what he wanted to believe at the time, and so he believed it. That you know, uh, uh, an insult in relation to this story just doesn't count for anything. Mm -hmm. You know, you How can't consider it. Yeah, no. How did you uh, how did you start? There was a question in the chat before I saw Dennis. How did you start the Firehouse magazine? I know this is obviously before that, but how did you start that? Uh, I wrote. I've always been entrepreneurial, you know, and um, so I wrote in my uh, office one day a business plan to start a magazine because the only magazines in the America for firemen were none. You know, they were fire engineering, which was in, in, for the bosses, fire chief for the bosses, 
and those two magazines had the whole uh, market. So I decided I was going to create Firehouse. So it was written for the firefighters and not for the bosses. And it would, you know, hopefully they would be better inspired, better trained, better understanding. And um, uh, so I went to, this is the advantage of living in New York. I went to a friend of mine named Bob Russell, who was a lovely guy, who also had a lot of money. And I said, Bob, I want to do this. And I showed him the paper and he read it and he said, let's do it. And he gave me, I don't know, I think it was $60,000, which sort of got it off the ground. And then I raised uh, $2 million to start it. Fire, the magazine is very expensive, you know, because it's a paper and postage. Uh, in today's world, it, the, the model is not good. You yeah, know? right, right, right. So... Uh, Anyway, but I loved doing it, and I thought it was a lot of fun, and I, I built a great staff. And uh, then I started the, uh, the convention in Baltimore, the Firehouse uh, <clears throat> Convention. What I went year to that when I was a pro. What, what year did you yeah. start the magazine, Dennis? What year did that start? Uh, I think 76. Wow. Oh, shit. I didn't know it was that old. Mackerel. Yeah. Yeah. And the the convention is going to Ohio this Ohio. year. Ohio, yep. Yeah. yeah, we went to it in Nashville a few years ago. We had to. Start, I should. I to... tried to buy it back. You know, I should not. It's. Uh, I regret it actually selling that magazine. And uh, what I should have gotten was somebody uh, like yourselves, quite frankly, who, uh, in, in, you know, guys who know the job well, and. Uh, uh, and I should should have made a deal to run it, you know, get somebody to run it. Yeah. And um, but I didn't. So oh, I also had an advertising director who wasn't supportive of not selling. You know, so I sold it anyway. Hmm. Well, you stayed on, or you didn't stay on? <clears throat> no, I didn't stay you on. Didn't stay on. I sold it to the singer, Beverly Sills, the opera singer. I sold it to her brother. Really? Yeah, Stanley Sills. Can he what sing? What, what, he, <laughs> he moved it. He didn't sing. I, me, me, me. I me, moved me. it to Long Island. He moved it to Long Island. And, uh, you know, they don't care about you. It's, it's Once they own it, they yeah. you know, forget about him. What year did you sell it, Dennis? What year did you get out? Ninety. I th I think I had it for twelve years. So in the 80, 86 or something like that. You had a lot of irons in the fire, Dennis, huh? You had a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, well, even today I do. You know, uh, I that's have what two I mean, books. Even now. I have two books finished. I have this foundation that I really care about, and. Uh, uh, and um, I have this thing called WavePeg, W-A-V-E-P-E-G, and it's social media. And 
the way the you know I say in the thing, you know, create a wave today. You know, that guy knows how to create waves. Nice. <laughs> That's Petey. He's an and, entrepreneur. Uh, so oh, wave, wave, wave peg, wave peg should be used by every fire department. That every guy in the fire department should use wave peg and start his own page for his fire company. You know, like for the Jersey City Engine Six, whatever that is, and uh, uh, he should just start writing about Jersey City Six. Hmm. And then all the guys in his company will start going to the same page. How is it and, up and running now? Yes. Wavepeg. Did he put that up on the uh, wavepeg.com? Yeah, I got you. Coming up. So anyway, uh, uh, Wavepeg is uh, is a. Um, I invented it. I every single page I invented. Why it's necessary? It's necessary because it it. I don't, I bet, you know, I don't never go to Facebook, but I belong to Facebook. I have 10,000 friends on Facebook, which is the maximum. Uh, thank you very much. There it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's so, Ed McMahon. Yeah. Hello. Good, Ed. Good, Ed. Good, good man. Hello. <laughs> So anyway, it's just another thing, you know, that I um, I invented because it was necessary. And uh, to, how do firemen use Facebook? Think about it. They they do little groups. There is a group called the War Years. Right. I I belong to that. I follow it actually. Yes. And uh, that that's uh, there's a there's a group called the Big House. For engine eighty two and ladder thirty one, right? And I guess there's one for seventy five and thirty three, and you know, uh, uh, for a hundred and three truck, uh, all those busy companies. <clears throat> They're busy. One hundred three is busy. <laughs> <laughs> but, Son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, that's what Iopi always says. He knows. Uh, I think Dan Potter runs that Warriors. Does he run the, the Warriors page? Yeah, maybe he does. Great guy, Dan Potter. So yeah, he sends me uh, a lot of stuff. He actually sent me pictures. I forgot to post them. His uncle was a guy named uh, Jackie Maine, who became captain, finally, a 45 engine, I think. I don't know. Uh, anyway, Danny Potter and his wife, Jean, are great people. Because she got lost on 9-11. He was certain. She was certain. Yeah, yeah. He, he told us the story. He was on the we show. Had, we had him on the show. He told the whole story. That was a great yeah, story. Yeah. Great story. <laughs> so, uh, I like anyway, his stories, too. He has a lot of stories. But the point is that the firemen don't get to use uh, Facebook the way they could use WavePack, you know? They could, if they wanted to know what was going on in the company that they missed, whether they were on vacation or anywhere, buffing. You know, they 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 buff their own firehouse on the on WavePeg. That's a pretty good idea. I like yeah. it. It took an eighty-year-old guy to figure out social media. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when are you going to retire, Dennis? For God's sakes, never you go fishing or anything. You don't like fishing? 
No, but no. you know, I have a friend of mine who fishes every day and doesn't eat fish. <laughs> so, Hope he brings him by you if he's a good friend. That's a, yeah. guy, that's a guy who writes books and doesn't read books, right? I tell mean, me the mo tell me the motivation. Fishing? Why, why would a guy fish every day if he doesn't eat I'll fish? I'll tell you why. There's no. This is a. Uh, is he still is married? A, uh, is he still married? <laughs> Because that maybe he runs away from. Yeah, yep. No, he he's with somebody. He's right. with somebody, and it's very important to him. And uh, anyway, uh, he's never asked me to go fishing. So consequently, I can say to you, I've never gone fishing in my whole life. Really? There's a culture yeah. of guys who like to fish, but throw back whatever they catch. Right? They feel bad and. Or just they don't eat whatever it sport. is. It's just sport. It's the thrill of the. It's sport. the thrill of the catch. Nah, I like you know? to keep it. Hey, you, you know, it just reminds me of the story. It's. It, I, I just. I love this story because when I was in the military, I was stationed at a radar squad in Nevada, and Nevada is real horse country, cow country, and, uh, and so I became pre friendly with the people in town, and. Uh, the, the, this guy said he kept horses. He had three horses, and I used, he used to lend me one of his horses all the time. And he he said, "Look, if you want to get a horse, you can keep it here. It'll be no problem. Just a little more hay, you know." And uh, I said, "Okay." So I called my mother up. There was a nice horse for sale. I could have gotten it for two hundred fifty dollars. So I called my mother up. And I said, hey, mom, I said, I, I need $250. Can you loan it to me? I can pay you back $10 a month for, you know, 100 years. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and she said, what do you need $250 for? I said, what do you want to – I said, uh, I, I want to buy a horse. And she just sort of sighed and laughed. And she said, Dennis <laughs> – she said, you're from 56th Street. People from 56th Street don't buy horses. <laughs> People from 56th Street don't go fishing. <laughs> so we started Fire Horse Magazine. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, All right. You know, I don't know what you're doing. A, cat, a guy said, no fishing, no beer, no coffee. What the hell, man? <laughs> he writes. That's what he does. He, he writes. writes. That's his passion, writing. He creates. He's a creator. He's yep. a creator. Who the fuck? Uh, I got an what idea. Else? What idea do you got, fella? <laughs> Is it that time? I I know it's that time. Hold on a minute, Dennis. You ready for this? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I can tell. I can see it. I can see it. I love it. I love and it. and with honesty. that, ladies and gentlemen, the man knows his cues. It's time for. <laughs> The old school tip of the day. Day, day. The very subtle. Uh... It's on you now, sir. All right, Dennis, go ahead. Give it to us, kid. Well, I, you know, I don't think it's everybody knows this. I don't know why it's such a good tip, but it's an important thing. I, I always had uh, uh, 40 feet of one-inch rope in my uh, uniform pocket. Bulky, you know, yeah. But it's okay. And, uh, uh, you know, very often that rope was a, a sort of a lifesaver if you used it. 
and uh, people very often don't use ropes to protect themselves. They use them to save other people or something. And, you know, but you, you just, how many people get lost in a job? Whereas if you tied off a hose, if you tied off a rope and you had 40 feet to roam around, you know, uh, it, it's safer that way. And um, it's just good to have. Nice. No doubt about it. Yeah, no simple, doubt about it. Simple and easy, you know. Uh, and that's, yeah, you that's can lower a sword off the roof. You could, there's yeah. a thousand things you use it for. But <clears throat> definitely searching if, if you're in a big area. Is, is definitely well, the IELP was telling me he, he always carried a 36-inch <clears throat> uh, rope in his pocket besides a, a, a personal life-saving rope. Uh and that was for when you force the door. You know, you put the rope on, on the, the small rope around the handle of it, and you force the door, and the door opens wide into the fire, you know? So and you the fire will blow back door. at you. Right. But it's, you have that rope there to close the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I now, like I that. I never man. did that. And I never did that. But, uh, I think but, we might have to get that Lee Ielpi guy on the show. What do you think, Dennis? <laughs> yeah, but I, um, but I, but anyway, he was. Every time he tells me that story, I say, "Well, what happened to the first two truck?" <laughs> no comment. <laughs> cricket, 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 cricket. All right, Petey. Uh, anybody got any shout-outs? Hmm. <clears throat> <clears throat> I do not. I don't have anything. I'm, I, got I was just happy as a clam to get Dennis on the show. Yeah. Yep. Well, I appreciate you guys uh, asking me, but I also appreciate that you do the show. I mean, I think it's great. And uh, uh, I, I wish there was a way to get get this tied into WavePeg. We will. We'll, let, we'll, we'll find a way. Don't worry. Let the people on WavePeg know that you're on every Thursday night. At eight o'clock, you know, and yeah. Monday, and Mondays, <laughs> Monday too. Yeah, but you run out of firemen. <laughs> Never. <laughs> yeah, wait. So wave peg and and don't tell the mayor, which is the new book coming out. Should be out in about six months. And wave peg, get over there right now, and we're gonna work something. I'm sure okay. we, can, we can find Dennis, a way. When, when the time comes, when you when you're close to uh, getting it out there, just get in touch with Kevin, and we'll. Uh, We'll shoot it out to the for the peeps. Uh, we'll shoot there. it out to everybody. Book, yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very I want to good. Go. It's been a, been a pleasure meeting you. Yep. Uh, before we go, I want to give a shout out to uh, the anniversary of Father's Day. Um, you know, Brian Fahey, Downey, and Ford um, lost their lives at Father's Day. I was lucky enough. I was not one of them. I made it out. Um, and also. Um, Hank Molay sent me, uh, John Driscoll was a member of Rescue One, hired in 1960. He retired in 98. He got to Rescue One with three years on the job in 1963. Just recently passed away. Yeah, I posted that on the Instagram the other day. There was a picture of him hanging from the rope. Yep. Saving somebody from the window. And also somebody, Pete, somebody put something up there. Uh, Can we give five bells uh, for the nine Boston Jakes that were killed on this date 49 years ago at the hotel? Uh, then don't fire and collapse. Ten fifteen is the signal for the loss of yes. a firefighter in Boston. 
All right, fellas. So I'm going to give the five bells for the Father's Day fire, John, John Driscoll, and the Jakes that were lost. You know, uh, Lee Iopi, he has a great story to tell you about here. But he, he will, if you ever get him on your show, of the Father's Day fire. Really yes, good he story. came with John. Uh, they came off duty. Yeah. So we'll get him on the show. So let me give these five bells for the four boys that were lost. I'm Rest in peace, brothers. Rest in peace. I just right, got a, I just got an email from my nurse, Nurse Danae. She said, after this interview, you better start writing. <laughs> I was, so, I, I thought she was going to say it's time for bed. Get in bed. I, was gonna say, I thought it was. I thought she was going to say it's time for the for the sponge bath. I don't know. I, don't know. I, I wonder if I was wasting my time here. Or what. Uh, anyway, okay, right. I enjoyed it a lot. That right, is thank you. Uh, yeah, man. I, we'll, I, be, I, we'll be in touch, Dennis. We Take will. care. God bless. Be safe. Well, don't go anywhere yet, Dennis. Hold on. We're going to see you on the after show really quick, but Pete's going to take us out with the uh, shameless plugs. Go ahead, Pete. Okay, Dennis, just hang in there for one more moment. Guys, go to iTunes Podcast, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, or wherever podcasts are found to listen to this uh, on audio if you can't watch it. Also, guys, you're on YouTube.com forward slash Getting Salty Experience. Make sure you like, subscribe, and share. That helps us out a ton. It tells YouTube you want to see more of us, and then we can produce more awesome content like we've been doing from the road. Uh, we got a banger coming out next week. Uh, Instagram, of course, we're on there at Salty Dog Inc. Great fire photos and all the last minute info of the show. Guys, getting saltyapparel.com. Guys, that's where you get all the coolest firefighter apparel and accessories, and it helps support the show. Thank you to everyone who was in the super chat tonight. I'm really always shocked. Uh, that you guys uh, choose to support us and uh, and very grateful and thankful. Um, if you have any questions, guys, shoot them to getinsaltyexperience at gmail.com. If you have stuff for Cup of Joe and Fuego, you guys should know about that by now. Shoot it to koobspodcast at gmail.com. And, guys, the Getting Salty Fans page where you can find all kinds of false information about the Ed Sullivan show. <laughs> you shoot right on over there and they will give you all kinds of videos. Send you something the, you really don't want to look at. Just not the one you're looking for. And ladies and gentlemen, that is all the oh. shameless plugs I had. For I got one more. I'm sorry. I got one more shout out. I got uh, John Davis from Charlotte Volunteer Fire Rescue Services, Inc. Sent me, Pete, and Louie a care package. It's got Real Vermont uh, maple syrup. Ooh, it's, nice. Oh, yeah, it's got some. It, it may never make it to your house, but uh, anyway, yeah, it's got some chocolate from up there, and it's got a whole bunch of goodies in there. Thank, Thank you, you again. Thank you very much, John Davis from Charlotte Volunteer we Fire really Rescue. Really appreciate that. Yep, up in Vermont. All right, Dennis, just hang on there one more second. We're going to say good night, and then we'll, uh, we'll say good night. We'll, All right, we'll fellas. Yeah, we'll see you on Monday. Stay low and go. All right, we'll see you at the big one, everybody. Cheers, everyone. Later. <laughs>